So my right ovary was gone because it was now a massive tumor. Um, and my left ovary, we had to take off, um, take out like about two thirds of it. So I was very, very, very lucky. And I was diagnosed from that, from from examining the tissue that was remo- removed. I was stage four, um, which means, you know, the cancer has spread to other organs. <laughs> You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the MILFiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Tracy, your host. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, I have Miss Kobe Smolders. I can't even begin to explain how excited I am to be able to say that because she was one of the first three people that I called when I knew I was going to be doing this. Um, And because she's such a busy, badass baller MILF, it took us this many months to finally hook up and get it get it going. But we did. And we had an amazing conversation. Um, Kobe is an extraordinary woman. Like an extraordinary human being and she has such a big heart and I just can't wait to share this talk with you guys. So um, enjoy my conversation with Kobe Smulders. Hi, Kobe. Hi. <laughs> it's hard for me not to talk in the microphone like I'm about to do an announcement. <laughs> Go ahead and make an announcement. Hi there. It's Kobe Smulders here to talk to you about Wheaties. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever, I grew up uh, with a mother who was British, and I don't know if that's why she's British, uh, why it's because this has happened because she was British, but she had the radio on all the time to like CBC news radio. So that might be why that I I feel like yeah, you have if you're radio. Be it's talking, just in your yeah. It should be in official sort of a newscastery. Yes. Yeah. We should we do the whole interview the in the newscastery voice? Close to the mic. That low. Slowly soft and soft. voice coming through to you live from our bedroom studio in the Pacific Palisades. <laughs> it's Kobe and Jen. Kobe and Jen. We have to have a <laughs> We also have to have a jingle. Kobe and Jen. <laughs> Talking about mom stuff. <laughs> there we go. I just did it for you. You could just use you that. Did loop the that whole in every time. Bit. It's gonna be great. The whole bit. It's gonna be great. So you're from Canada. That is that is a truth fact. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Grew up in Canada. Yeah. Did you always want to be an actor? I think subconsciously I did. Um, it wasn't until, you know, I became an actor and people started asking me, like, did you always want to become right. an actor? What made you want to become an actor? And I remember, you know, I don't have a ton of memories from from my childhood, but I do remember like talking very passionately to my mirror a lot, (laughs) you know, and pretending to be talking to a boyfriend or, or someone I was really mad at. I still do that. (laughs) Does it work? Is it therapeutic? I don't know. Or it's crazy. (laughs) It it was a little like, it, it was, I was very, I was very passionate. I was very intense, but I wasn't allowed to express it in my household. You know, mm-hmm. we had like, we, I had a very strict father and 
you know, I won't go into my mom. Um, but, but we, we just, I didn't feel like the freedom to really express myself in, 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 in that way. Um, and not because it wasn't, it wasn't really allowed. It just wasn't our vibe. It wasn't, you know, we're not sitting around the kitchen table, you know, expressing ourselves right. or having it wasn't opinions modeled about anything. For you. No, no. Yeah. Um, it was still a lovely childhood, but it just, I had all these feelings and I think the way that I dealt with them was internally and in in a way sort of created these fantasy like situations, which now like as an actor, I'm going, oh, that's why I sort of was interested in this is because it was an escape and it was a way to pretend to be another person and to have another experience. And, um, but I think that's sort of what cultivated it subconsciously. I did, you know, I did theater in high school and then, um, I was, I don't know why I was, but I was modeling at the time. You know, it's like when you live in a small town, you're like, how do I get out? Sure. I did the same <laughs> What's thing. What's my ticket out? Totally. Okay. My face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cash in on this face. <laughs> <laughs> and just ride it for as long as I can. And I was never successful, but I was able to, you know, go to Japan and Paris and Milan and and uh, New York. You you did too, right? I didn't go to all those places. Right. But um, in fact, I was signed up to go to Japan the summer of my 15th birthday. And we'd gotten my work permits and everything. And like, you know, I'd gotten this contract. And then my agent in Denver called me, Jay, I remember, a really sweet man. And he was like, so you're not going to, it was like the day before I was supposed to leave. You're not going to Japan because they shut it down because they were having some child labor issues. <laughs> Later learned that like they were starving these poor American teenage girls and like working them like 18 hours. Yeah. And... You're lucky you did not go to Tokyo. Can I tell you? So you did it. Did you I have did. a I similar? Mean, I wasn't starved, but <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely, it was such a weird, it was a similar thing. And I think anyone who's listening who has a teenage daughter, don't send them to Tokyo. <laughs> I don't know how it is now, but it's this weird thing where I had like a contract, which it seems like yes. you did too. Yes. Had this a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. They were like, we'll pay you $20,000, which I was like, this is, this is, I, I've just I've won made the lottery. It. Yeah, totally. I've just fucking made totally. it. Totally. 20 grand, go to Tokyo, two months. I brought my older stepsister with me. And we got there. It's such a cultural, it's so confusing culturally, especially when you're like 16. All you want to do is like the things you know. Right. You're not really open to like experiencing another culture, right? right? You're like, where's my hamburgers? Yeah. <laughs> why are there just, why is everyone staring at me? Yeah. You know, it's very, it's a very, you're sort of in this awkward phase yes. of your development. Yes. And I got there. And I mean, I was just, I, I, really the 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 loser in this situation was my stepsister who stayed in this model studio bedroom oh, model's apartment with bunk beds right not bunk beds they were beds on the floor okay. which i think might be a step up from bunk beds right. but still studio apartment yeah. right in Rapungi, which was like the club district of tokyo it still is i'm sure and i would leave at like 7 a.m and do castings all day until like 7 p.m and she would stay in this putrid <laughs> models apartment all day. Oh, poor thing. And we were trying not to spend any money because they were giving us, you know, $200 a week each to live off of. And it was the only money we were technically making. Sure. But 
it was a weird experience, not only from just, um, I feel, I find modeling to be very, um, strange anyway, but like it was, it was a very weird experience from an emotional, you're standing, I remember going into these rooms and like, you're in this business room, you're in this, you're in this, uh, conference room and there was, you know, eight Japanese businessmen and you're standing there like, Hey, what's up guys. <laughs> and there's, you know, whoever your, your translator is, who's with you on all these things. And he says, you know, in Japanese, this is Kobe. She is five, eight. She weighs 130 pounds. She is Canadian. She, you know, she, and then they're like, I vividly remember. They're like, okay, show us three poses. Wow. And I just, I mean, I, I could do it for, you can't <laughs> hear like it, sketch. but it's so, yeah. it was so weird and you're so on the spot and you can't, you can't stand up and talk for yourself because they're not going to understand you. Right. So you can't advocate for yourself in any way. And what happened to us was, because it's, it's a crock, the whole fucking thing yeah. is that my uh, contract was for two months and I then read the fine print, which is, you know, you have to pay us back all of your, your, you know, your flights times two for me and my sister, your accommodation, every copy we make of a, of a picture, your $200 a week that we give you, you have to pay all that back before you get anything. But, and, and also if you, if you gain was it? it was like if you gain an inch on your waist or on I remember your hips, that. we have the right to send you home. I remember that. So I think that's where the starvation thing came yeah. from. I mean, I was trying to save money. So I was living on ramen, which I'm surprised I didn't gain like a right. ton of weight because I was just eating <laughs> all carbs, just carbs, <laughs> yeah. the cheapest carbs possible. But they sent me home after six weeks because I wasn't very successful and they didn't pay me any money. So we had we had like we'd gotten maybe a grand out of saving, you know, the per so diem we split, or yeah, the yeah. per diems and we split like 500 each and just called it a day. We were so happy to get out of there. I bet. I bet. We were so happy to just finally leave. Yeah. I'm dying to go back to that country yeah. to see it from a different perspective yeah. and see it and appreciate it. But I haven't had the opportunity yet. Wow! And yeah. you were so you were sixteen. Yeah. Did you continue modeling when you got back to Canada? I did. I uh, you would think that that would tank it for me, <laughs> but no. <laughs> I'm a winner. So I <laughs> I went back to Canada. I graduated high school, right? And literally within the next couple of days, I moved to New York City, and was in New York City trying to model. And that's when sort of acting came in. I was meeting a lot of actors, was going to a lot of theater, theater I could afford. And I really stayed in New York because I met a, I had a boyfriend there for a while. And then, and then I went to Paris for a while and I went to Italy. And when I was in Italy, I said, I need to stop because it got a little like I was partying so much. Yeah. And granted, I'm 20 years right. old. Like you should be partying right. and you should be doing all this stuff. But, but it's at a level in that yeah. realm. It's at a level that's a little scary. And it's a little scary yeah. and you, you're you not grounded in any way to anything. And I'm, and, and I'm not working towards right. any goal, right. any career goal here. Right. So it was a way to sort of vacation for free. Yeah. This is what it turned into. And yeah. I said, okay, I think I need to go back go to university. So I actually went back to Vancouver and enrolled uh, at the University of Victoria to study marine biology. And then no that way. summer, yeah. I thought that, I was going to study marine biology. Oh, That's you did? so funny. I was going to go to a school in Florida and study marine biology, but 
I went to New York to be a model instead, and yeah. then I ended up studying communications later. I feel like there's a lot of women who are like, I just want to. I want to pet the dolphin. I want to be a marine biologist. Yeah, I, but I was more, and still am. I'm like, what's up with that coral polyp over there? <laughs> so weird. And like, I'm very much a detail person, so I'll go scuba diving and I'll just like stare at like algae for ten minutes. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. How does this look at this diverse like ecosystem over here? I was set on that path. And then I just spent the summer. I tried to like get into a modeling agency in Vancouver to be like, I'm broke. Yeah. I need to make money. Is there any opportunities here while I'm also working in restaurants and stuff? And through that agency met a bunch of actors. I was like, these guys are super cool. Yeah. I want to hang out with these guys. So um, through that, I just said, okay, I'll do a year of this and just got so I just am so lucky really because I think within uh, that next year I did a I did this really weird series and we shot it in Toronto it's called Veritas the Quest and I was dude I was 19 years old oh my gosh and I was playing like a 29 year old um archaeologist someone super smart that's really cool didn't even go to college he was about to and said nah (laughs) so that was interesting and then did that for just i think we did 13 episodes of that and then um we did not get picked up and then kind of just had a rough two years of not working and working in restaurants and in Vancouver in Vancouver and and working for my mom's business, which involved me like going to people's like it was like this is a weird story, but I'm I'm going off the path, but it's worth That's it. That's okay. Let's do it. Um, my mom worked at this. It was, it's like a very small version of Geek Squad from Best Buy. Okay. okay, so it was like her and two dudes in like an office building. So I, because I couldn't afford my car at the time took the bus an hour and a half to her office, borrowed her car and drove to clients' houses picking up their super heavy (laughs) computer equipment. You know, this is not just like the flappy laptops that we like. It was like intense monitors. monitors. Yeah. Yes. And putting them in the trunk of her Honda Civic and taking them back to my mom. And my mom paid me $5 an hour. Oh my God. (laughs) And this is what? 2000 something. 2001. Oh my God. Yeah. I made it out of there and then I started coming down here for pilot season and then I booked How I Met Your Mother and then I have been here in America ever since. <laughs> in the land of America. I remember t- I had the kids on a play date and Kobe and I know each other because our kids, are, her oldest daughter and my son were in preschool together. And I was at a play date at your house and I forget how it came up, but Taryn was telling me that He's like, yeah, you know, and I had this ego about blah, blah, blah. Like, I forget what the story was. It was like Mm -hmm. how you guys were together and then you broke up. But when you first met each other, he said that you were like, yeah, I booked this pilot. And he was on a show or booking a pilot. And he was like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. He was laughing at himself like, wow. Yes. He had, he was doing the, it was actually a great pilot. And it's where I met him for the first time. I met Taryn because he one of our our best friends and him did this pilot together. And it was for, with Bill Lawrence. Oh, wow. It's a great, like, so everything, you know, all the boxes were ticked. And he was great and it was so funny. And so he had just shot that pilot and I was going to go shoot How I Met Your Mother. And yeah, he was like, well, it's going to be really awkward when your show does not go and mine goes. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, you know, we'll figure it out. It's all good. <laughs> I was mostly excited that because of the show, I got a work permit 
for like six months because of how because I, met your I was mother? like, yeah. And so, cause I was as a Canadian, um, only allowed to be here for a period of three months, right. but with this, I could stay another six months. Right. So I was, that was what I was most jazzed. I, you know, focus on the now. I love it. <laughs> like, I don't know if the show's going to go, but I'm allowed to be here for six months. So that's exciting. And how old were you at that time? 24? I was 22. Oh my God. I know. I got on that show when I was 22 years old. Yeah. I know. It's a lot. It was it's very a good day. deal, girl. That's it's awesome. a great deal. It's a great deal. I say to, I say to, you know, now I'm, now I'm at that age where I'm like imparting wisdom. Yes. Whatever. I mean, I don't know how, you know, worthy that is, but I, a lot of people are like, what do you do? What do you say to someone who wants to become an actor? And I think so much of it is luck. It's so much of it is just luck. But I also will say with that, it's like being prepared for that opportunity when someone taps you. Yes. Which you have to constantly kind of be prepared for. But so much of it is just luck. Yeah. Yeah. I remember with How I Met Your Mother, I I had met, um, I think I met the casting director. And then she was like, you got to meet Carter and Craig, who are our creators. And I went back and met them like the next day. And I wasn't supposed to be in town at that time or something. There was something that if I hadn't met them at that time, sure. it just, it just all wouldn't up. have happened, yeah. you know? Yeah. So within, there was, I don't know the timeline you're going to tell me, but you're working on the show. You are in love with Taryn. You guys are together. Yes. Okay. Debatable, but yeah, I'm just sorry. I'm, trying make, I'm trying to make a negative joke and I kind of stop myself because that's just a weird energy. Um, no, I love my no, You guys are the much. cutest couple. I He's love you best. both very much. At what point did you start to think about motherhood or or was the health thing that happened first? Yeah. So um, Jen is talking about the health thing because I had ovarian cancer when I was 25. Super fun. 25, just when you're in the <laughs> prime of your youth. Um, yeah, that hit first. And Taryn and I had been together for, God, maybe two coming on to three years at that point. And we were really solid, which I'm very grateful for to have a partner to to go through that um, with me. I'm sorry to him <laughs> because he had to go through that with me. But I was grateful. Yeah, that hit. And I was diagnosed. I found um, I can go through the whole thing. So People yeah. can learn and, and hopefully never have these symptoms. But if you do, I felt sort of um, abdominal pressure. I, it's weird. I went in to see I went in to see my gynecologist in December. I said, I feel weird. Something's off. She gave me a physical. She's like, I don't feel anything. I feel like everything's okay. There's nothing, you know, that I should be knowing about genetically in your family. So I think you're good. And by February, like or even end of January, end of January, I would lay down and there was like a a lump. And so I remember I was shooting this movie. um, God, what was it called? Yep. It was called Slam and Salmon. And it was, it was done by a lovely group of guys, the Broken Lizards. They're like a comedy. Did they do? Sounds um, familiar. They do the, uh, oh shoot, what's the cop? The, 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 uh, Super Troopers. Oh, right. Super Troopers. They just recently did Super Super Troopers too. So they were doing this, like, we were doing this, like, wackadoodle comedy. And in the middle of shooting, um, I was like, I got to get this checked out. And it was crazy. We were shooting like crazy hours. So I went to, like, a, on a Sunday to a clinic yeah. and just said, Doc, what do you think this is? 
can I get an ultrasound? I got an ultrasound and they were like, you need to talk to your like gynecologist today. Were you out of town? Were you on location? No, I was here. here. Thankfully I was here. That would have been very difficult. Um, but I was here and, um, went in to see my gynecologist. And even on the phone, she was like, I don't, Kobe, it's maybe it's a cyst. Maybe it's a fibroid, but this is nothing to worry about. You're 25 years old. Like there's nothing, there's nothing to worry about. Wow. So I went over and she gave me an ultrasound and she was just flummoxed. And then I, um, she recommended me to my oncologist. She was flummoxed because she She had been wrong. She had been wrong and she was, she she had no idea how this could have happened to me. Um, Is that because statistically it's very unusual for such a young woman to get ovarian cancer? Yes. And also I think it was like she just had done a physical exam, you know? Right. And um, I'll get into my thoughts and theories about it now that I'm on the other side and have more education about it but um she uh my my gynecologist um recommended this oncologist who is the lady that is the reason i have children um her name is dr alana Koss. she's at cedar sinai and she's like we're doing surgery like in a couple of days so like from diagnosis i was maybe you know on the table in a week maybe a little bit more and at that they, point, did you know what the surgery was going to be? Were you wondering, like, am I going to still have a uterus? No. Oh my god. I mean, I did. I was wondering. I didn't. I had right. no idea. Oh my god. Yeah, like what they were going to. They said we are going to. We're going to try our best. <laughs> but it was so. The, I mean, the the tumor that I had was the size of a cantaloupe. Before using fruit euphemisms, wow. We, it was giant, so they couldn't tell on an ultrasound where it ended and where the exactly. tissue would be. Cleaned. Exactly. Yeah. So they had to cut me open. So. Once they did it, and luckily, like I said, I had this amazing surgeon. I was just, they just had to remove the tumor and they had to remove um, half of the other. So, so my right ovary was gone because it was now a massive tumor. Um, and my left ovary, we had to take off, um, take out like about two thirds of it. So, yeah. <laughs> so it was, so I was very, very, very lucky. And I was diagnosed from that, from, from examining the tissue that was removed, removed. I was stage four. Um, which means, you know, the cancer has spread to other organs. It has spread to Lymph you know, nodes, lymphatic yeah. system. But it was this, the cancer was diagnosed to be this borderline type of tumor, which it obviously, it acts very aggressively. Once it's attached and it usually will keep attacking the same organ. Um, so I was very lucky in that respect where this cancer had spread everywhere, but it hasn't. Um, feed it hasn't started feeding anywhere else so um so yeah got through that and then um had my first child like uh, maybe a year after maybe not but even you had thought months. you weren't going to be able to yes, have a child yeah exactly so i was told that we would never be able to have kids naturally <laughs> So forget about birth control. <laughs> and uh, and our first child was, was born. <laughs> yeah. So uh, which I'm so grateful for. So it was a very weird um, thing to go through mentally, emotionally, because I was getting into this zone. I was like, OK, I will be the godmom. I will be the cool aunt. Maybe we'll adopt. Yeah. You know who? I don't know, but this is and not going to be. You were still be... so young that it I'm was so like young. You thought... <laughs> totally, I'm not having kids for ten years anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. um, 
so it was I was kind of adjusting to this new reality of being a mom where it's not going to be the way I thought it was going to be, which is we're going to get married and then maybe we'll have a couple of years of just traveling and then we'll have a baby. Maybe we'll have another one. Like it was going to, I was getting comfortable with the idea of A, it might not happen. B, if it is going to happen, it's going to have to be scientifically altered to to make it happen for us or it's adoption or it's some other version uh which i'm was very open to so it was and then and then all of a sudden boom i was pregnant so it was just it was like a it was a real it was it really kind of took me a long time i mean it took me nine months to get, <laughs> <laughs> to get comfortable with the Thank idea God you had those nine months i will say i i will say that mother nature is a very kind woman because i think that that nine months of just preparing yourself oh yeah is so nice yeah and and much needed but it but it but it was just sort of like a nine months of just emotionally mentally adapting to that and then yeah. when when you guys had your first daughter, were you both living in Los Angeles? Because I know you much of the yes. time you guys have to live. I mean, because you're both actors, you work. Yes, it was. We and it, you know, looking back, of course, you know, when you're able to look back on things, you go, "Oh, that, of course, that's how it was supposed to be." When you're mm -hmm. in it, you're just going, "I don't know if this is right. Yeah, this is crazy. There's mu there must be something better than what we're dealing with right. now." Right. And upon reflection, it's like it's the most perfect scenario, which is I'm living in in Los Angeles. I'm on a show that's extremely accommodating Thank God. Um, for a first time mom. Uh, Taryn was in L.A. at the time. Uh, we had our first daughter. And then about a year and a half later, he got SNL and he started doing the commute back and forth from New York, which was. That's when I met you guys. Yeah. You were in the middle of yes. that. Yeah. It was fine. Like it totally was fine. Um, you guys made it work. We made it work, and we're both very, um, we're both very independent people. And more than that, we're not very dependent people, which I think is more important to say than I, because I think everybody's independently something. But I don't. I love being in a partnership with Taryn, but I don't feel like I need him to run my life the way I, I want to run it. I want him to be a part of my life, but I don't like need him to help me make decisions and need him most like, of course I, 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 I love him and I want all those things from him, but it's not like a, I don't feel less than without him. Yeah. Does that make you sense? You don't have to have it to function. And to, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is, I think that and mostly that comes from insecurity, right? I think when you're extremely dependent on a partner, you're looking to fill some void in yourself, which you should figure it you should figure that out. Absolutely. Because, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> man, that's, yeah. that's not good for nobody. No, it doesn't no. work. No. It doesn't work. Yeah. No. Yeah. So we were we were going back and forth. And then um, and then uh, when I was done with How I Met Your Mother, nine years later, thank God for that show. God damn it. I love that show. Um, uh, we moved to New York because Taryn was still doing SNL. And and, and then we had um, we had our second daughter in New York. And then, so then you're in New York, you're not on the show, you're in this different place in yeah. your life and, and you're a mom of two girls. What was it like? Like what, and I know you did a bunch of other, like you don't stop working. You're not someone that just is like, ah, yeah. um, I know you did some theater there. You did. A, yeah. Like, I mean, when I got off the show, I certainly felt, um, 
a need to do other things. Um, I love that on How I Met Your Mother, it wasn't it wasn't the same thing every week. Like they enabled us to to do other weird. I was singing. I was a pop star in Canada, and I was, you know, doing all these emotional arcs. My character on the show wasn't able to have kids, which is something I could kind of connect to. You know, like they yeah. made it interesting. Yeah. Um, so I didn't feel like I was coming in and being like, Ralphie, yeah. put your toys away, you know, <laughs> like every week, uh, I was doing interesting, different things. Um, but at the same time, I was just ready to do different roles. So I shot, I was able to shoot a couple independent films. Um, and, and one of them was when I was pregnant with my, both of them were when I was pregnant because I, <laughs> I shot this, this movie called results with Andrew Bajewski. Um, in, in, in Austin and I was playing a personal trainer, but I was pregnant and I found out I was pregnant kind of when I got the job and I, I said, you know, listen, I am pregnant and I can almost a hundred percent guarantee I'm not going to show till I'm six months. Uh -huh. Cause that's just like how I was with my first. Right. And luckily he believed me and luckily <laughs> my child stayed in, you know, tucked <laughs> up right. in my ribs or something. Um, so I shot that. And then the second movie I was able to shoot was playing a pregnant um, teacher in an inner city school in Chicago, um, where one of my students gets pregnant at the same time as I do. Um, so I was able to do these projects and, and again, synchronicity, right? They lined up okay with my personal life. That doesn't always happen, but it did for that period of time. And then we went to New York, pushed out the baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, pushed her out. And then I, you're right. I don't, you know, it's so fun. It's so like, it's funny when, when you get to sit and talk about yourself, you're like, oh, shit, I've done a lot of stuff. Even, <laughs> you just so quickly forget about yes. things, right? Yes. Because um, you're so, you're on to the next yes. immediately. Um, I think the hardest, Two things happened, which were like two of the biggest challenges in, in my life, which was the first one was my daughter was six months old and I was kind of getting out of the mommy fog. I was like, let's go back to work. Let's do this thing. And so I was set to shoot two movies in, at, in the Atlanta area in the South. One was in Atlanta. One was in, God, uh, ugh. Charleston or something. So they were kind of in the, in the South. Anyway, right before the night before I leave to go to shoot this independent, I break my leg. Oh, <laughs> I remember this. I remember this. Oh yeah. I fully break my leg, which is, it's such a dumb, it's such a dumb, it was such a dumb thing, but it, you it, did it here in LA. No, I did it in New York. You did it in New York. I was in New York. That's and right. that's right. I rushed home from this event I had to go to to like so I could put my kids to bed and be there for bedtime. And, you know, I come in and I bust into my daughter's room and I pick up my eldest daughter and I swing her around and I'm like, I'm here. I get to kiss you. Good night. You know, and I put her back into bed. And she goes, do it to daddy. Do it to daddy. And I was like, no, OK. So I pick up Taryn and I fucking drop him on, <gasps> on my leg. leg. Oh. And I felt it. I felt like a pop. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God. And I thought I had dislocated my knee. And so I was like, okay, we're okay. Taryn went out. He got like a little, you know, one of those ACE bandages. And I did that. Put some ice on it. And we're like, well, see how we feel in the morning. I'm leaving tomorrow morning with my six-month-old to go to the swamps 
in the South somewhere. I literally can't remember exactly where we went. So I wake up and I'm like, okay, it's feeling like a little sore, but I'm walking. I'm putting weight on it. Wow. I'm, I'm walking. So it can't be broken. Right. So I go, I drop, I take my daughter to school, my older daughter's school. I come back, I pack up my, my, my baby in her car seat and I go to pick her up and it shifts me to the right. <gasps> and I go, Oh, Oh my God. And in that moment I went, my, my leg is fucking broken, Oh God! but I am going to shoot this independent, which, you know, they're so screwed if I don't show up. Right. Right. So I just go, I have to go do it. So I call, I say, listen, I just think I broke my leg. I'm coming, but I have to stop <laughs> at an emergency room when I land the plane, <laughs> when I get off the plane. And the hardest part of this whole thing was I get to the airport. I've got my, you know, I've got the baby Bjorn on, got the bags. I get to the airport and I say, hi, I need a wheelchair. <laughs> I need a wheelchair because I'm, I'm usually so stubborn. I'm like, let's just do this. It's fine. Yeah. But I know that this leg is broken yeah. now. Something yeah. is, ter- something is very wrong by this point. And I, and I say, I need a, I need a wheelchair. And they say, you can't ride in a wheelchair. You have a baby. We can't like legally right. put you in a, in a wheelchair. So I go, okay. They say, but after you go through security, we'll have that Rover, you know, that guy down waiting for you. I say, okay, amazing. Thank you so much. So I get through security standing there. There's no Rover. There's nowhere. There's no, I don't know if anyone's been in the fucking Delta terminal of uh, a JFK. It is, I, I get like PTSD when I go back to this <laughs> section of the airport. I'm like, I can't go back. I won't go back to this place, but it is. So I'm looking around. There's just like duty free everywhere. And there, I was like, I have to start walking. Ugh. I'm not exaggerating. When it was half a mile, like my gait was the very last. I've done this walk since and it wasn't like I was in pain and it, 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 was a, it felt like a greater distance than it was. It's, it's a fucking very long. fucking long way, <laughs> even if you're just, you know, normally walking. Yes. So I, I'm starting to walking and now I'm really, it's really bad. And I pull over and I go to a Delta desk and I say, can I get a wheelchair and or the Rover? And they say, it's going to take 30 minutes. And I said, well, my flight is leaving. So I walk this mile. I get on the plane. I land in Charleston, wherever we were. I immediately, my nanny meets me at the airport. I immediately start crying because there's somebody finally helping me. Yes. That's like my trigger. I'm like, you're going to help me? What? Yes. Fall apart. Yes. And then we immediately go to this doctor, this orthopedic surgeon who gives me an x-ray. He's like, your leg is broken. He's like, you have to be on crutches for eight weeks. You can't shoot a movie. Well, I ended up shooting this movie. You did? And they wrote into the script that I just had crutches, uh, which everyone was like, that was such an interesting choice. It was like, it was a mandatory decision <laughs> for everyone involved on this project. Yeah. yeah. But then I had to, I was going to go from there to shoot a different, um, this HBO movie on Anita Hill, which was so fascinating and great. And I was like, I cannot, I'm barely getting through this. Yeah. I can't do it. I was so, so upset about that. Um, it was actually funny because shooting that movie was okay in terms of managing. I hope nobody ever has to go through this being on crutches and like not being able to like pick up your new, like you can't get up in the middle of the night and go over and pick her up and bring her into bed with you. Like you can't do anything. It was horrible. But I had this, my, my wonderful nanny at the time was there with me and she did 
everything. And when I was at work, um, there were all these sweet young, you know, kids. And it was their first movie and they were like helping me out. But when I went home is when I just went, I can't be a mom. I can't uh, nurture my child. Like I can't be alone right. in my house. Right. And it was so, that was such a challenge. I, I was so, um, that was dark. That was darker cancer for me interesting <laughs> which is really interesting That's saying something. because it was just like you're totally helpless you're totally helpless and i don't like feeling that way with even with cancer i was at least like well and you're helpless i could do stuff responsible for this other yes. being's wellness yes. and safety and it was it was horrible and then from that, the great another challenge came after. Am I am I getting am I being boring or is this okay? Are you kidding me? Okay. You're perfection. Don't, <laughs> don't I, ever I just, stop. I'm, I'm like monologuing. You're right over on target. Here. You're okay. right on target. The the next challenge was I'm still on crutches, and I get this call uh, from agents or whatever managers, and they're like, Ed, Edward Swick wants to meet you. They're shooting this new action movie with Tom Cruise. And he'd love to talk to you about it. And I was like, sure, sure. I crutched my way over to Edward Swings to try to get an action movie. And you booked it. Well, inevitably, I, I'm not inevitably, eventually I did. But I met with Ed and he's like, let's put something on tape. And I came back and I put something on tape. And then they're like, do you want to go fly down and meet Tom Cruise? And at those, the whole time, I'm like, I'm not going to do this movie. This is, I'm on the crutches. I can't do this movie, you know? And I'm finally off crutches by the time I fly to Florida to meet with Tom. And he's lovely. It's great. I get the part. And then I have to start training for six weeks. And I am in the weakest shape of, you know, I've been, oh, yeah. I might have like super, well, I don't know what muscles are like the crutches muscles, like yeah. the, the outer limbs of your yes. body, like the outer arms yes. and your shoulders. I don't know quite what, but I mean the whole movie that I had to do was running, just running, running, running. And I was like, my, my, my leg was just atrophied. Sure, of course. So you're starting from scratch. So I'm starting from scratch. We go to New Orleans for six months to shoot this movie. I, I still have this infant, guys. <laughs> still have this infant who's now, you know, eight months old, is living with me in New Orleans. Daughters in New York, the other daughters in New York with Taryn. I mean, it was just chaos. And, I really, that was the final, that was like the final nail in the coffin of trying to do it all. Yeah. I said, it's not worth it. It's affecting my health. I even literally remember like right before I left or maybe a week before I, before I broke my leg, I, I said something subconsciously to myself, which is like, I hope something happens and something falls apart and I can't do this. But what happened was something did happen. And I made it more challenging for myself. <laughs> now, upon reflection, what I should have done was legs broken. I cannot do your movie, guys. Right, I right. have a fucking six month old baby. Right. I'm not coming. But I, I, it is my default to go above and beyond for other people, mm. but not for myself. And, and that is that's... a fault I had to sort of. You didn't want to disappoint them? I didn't or? want to disappoint them. I knew, um, and, and I am glad that I did it. Like, I had a lot of fun, and I made really great friends. Yeah, it, I just didn't want to disappoint them. I knew that they were going to be really screwed if I didn't show up. 
they would have they would have had to stop production for like I don't know what they would have had to do. Yeah. It would have been really terrible. Yeah. So I knew that that was really going to be a horrible thing for them to figure out. It's not my fault. Right. It happened. You know right. what I mean? But to have to hold that guilt, I couldn't I couldn't handle holding that guilt, yeah. which is something else I had to confront. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's like it's really interesting even talking about this stuff, which is stuff I haven't thought about for a long time. But that was really the end of I can't uh, I can't do it all. And I really have to. There was something that I read. I don't know if I read or someone was just talking about it, that there's like four things, four things in your life and you can only do three of them. And one is one is always um, being sacrificed. And it's like health, career, relationship or friendships. And it's like three of those are, is the max that you can do. So one of those things is always suffering a sort little of, bit. Yeah, yeah. on the outskirts and it's yeah. not getting the attention it, it deserves. Yeah. And whenever I think about that, I go, yeah, I haven't talked to my friends in so long. Yeah. You know, or like, God, how's Taryn doing? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or I break my fucking leg, yeah. you know, or yeah. or I get sick or w- yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And that that was something that, that stuck with me. I can't remember where I read it, but it but it was very true where it's like you have to be conscious of tr- of 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 priority. And I, I think, you know, you and I are now both moms and it's like that's the priority right now. Maybe when they're off at college, it's like me and my husband are going to be traveling around the world or something. I don't yes. know. But it's right now that is the that's number the one. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you kind of had this turning point for yourself as a mom, as a as a woman, as a human. And you then you came back to New York. Yeah. And what were sort of the next steps for you? Was Taryn still on SNL at that time? Taryn was still, when I came back from, yeah, when I came back from New Orleans, he was finishing up his last year. So I came back and was in New York and this movie had happened. And then, and then, oh, and then I, and then I think, wow, it was, I'm confused by the timeline of things right now. I did, I got to do a play in New York. Right. Which was a huge thing, but I don't think it happened right after that. I think there is something in between that I can't quite remember right now. But uh, yeah, I came back and I, and I, I, in New York, because the whole time I'm in New York City, like I have to do my, my greatest dream as a performer uh, was to be on stage uh, on Broadway. And I had audition and I, I had so many auditions. So many like begging, like, like I was trying so hard and it was this very interesting thing of, um, of, uh, of perception of, um, I don't know if it was the theater community that was like, she was was a sitcom actress. She's not going to be good on stage. I don't know what it was, but it was so hard for me to, um, be taken seriously maybe, or I, I don't, I don't know. But finally, I got to audition for um, for this play, Present Laughter. And uh, it was really weird because I was shooting. Oh, that's what happened. I shot the first season of uh, uh, this Netflix show, Friends of College. So we're in New York shooting the show. It's going great, having a great time. And then I get this audition and I'm just like so stoked about it. So I get the audition. I'm studying a massive amount of lines whenever you do like theater or play auditions it's just you know 20 pages of just so much dialogue um as it should be because it's a play and you should know your shit but um i'm learning all this stuff and i'm learning it and this is 
the night of the election. Oh, my God. This is the night of fucking, we think, Hillary Clinton, first woman president. We're like in New York City going, this is such an amazing night. This is going to be a historic moment. (laughs) I flew into New York the next day. Oh, you did? And everybody was walking around New York City just just, like with their chests and their heads hanging low. And yeah. It was oh it was gosh. fascinating because there's all this stuff going, but I'm like, I have this, I have to nail this on. This is this is my dream. Yes. This is my dream. Yes. I'm running these lines and you know, the election's like going towards Donald God, Trump. And I'm like, all the I red can't, on the screen. Yeah. I can't even I can't even go there. I can't even go there. I remember going to bed that night at an early-ish hour at like 10 and Taryn's like, I have to stay up and see what, like, they're still calculating votes in fucking Florida or something. And I said, I have to go to bed. I'm going to bed. And woke up and he had won and um, I'm still like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go to that place. And I went into this audition and everyone was just like, we spent the first 20 minutes just like talking about it. So it was, in fact, the greatest time to audition because yes if you're able to kind of keep it together and you're you're yes. professional and you're able to like really do this yeah then, then it's great <laughs> so we did this wonderful six-week run of um of this play and it was just it was magic it was mm. so much fun so that was a big accomplishment and i felt for the very first time um quite like satiated mm. which i i am usually when i'm halfway through a job going what's next what am i doing next yeah and during this i was just i was happy to just chill out for a while after that so it was really great that's so awesome and what was the best part of it being on the show in that in that play getting to go to the theater every yeah, day yeah i mean it was i think it it was really the best fit for my life because because it was, first of all, it's it's such a weird like little thing, but you know, the play starts at eight, it's done by 11. And some nights you're doing a seven o'clock show, so you're home by 10. So, you know, obviously some nights I would go out after or whatever, but most of the time I would be able to get a seven hour night's sleep, get up with the kids, take one kid to school, come home, baby naps, you're napping and then you get up and you go to the theater at night. You get to pick up from school, go to the theater at night. I mean, it's so, and you're, it's so creatively fulfilling where I think that if you are on set every day is not like, wow, that was a great moment. You know, it's just, you're you're trying to get your scenes and you're trying to get the work done. You're trying to get these, you're trying to do like, you know, exterior shots of you walking down the street or whatever it's going to be. It's not always creatively fulfilling. But this was every night. It was, you didn't know what it was going to be. And it was this interesting sort of rhythm of, of so excited. I can't believe this play is happening. I'm on stage. Do I know I'm doing a British accent? Uh, do I know all my lines? Am I doing this? And am I hitting all the things they told me to hit? Am I blocking? So it's very exciting. Then it comes out. Then it's successful. People like review it well. Then you're like, we're great. We're off to the races. And then this weird thing happened. I mean, I don't want to generalize it because everybody I'm sure has a different experience. But then like in the middle of it, you hit this place, which which for me was, I don't know what I'm doing. 
I don't think I'm going to remember any of my lines. Mm. At this point, you know your lines. Right. Like at this point. It's part of you. It's become yeah. so familiar. But there is this, I hit this place of, I, I don't know what I'm after here. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to totally freeze yeah. on stage. And it only, I only kind of lost it once. Yeah. Like, and I just made something else up. Yeah. And because and I was nobody working noticed. with Kevin Klein, <laughs> right? You just said something else, out. and we found our way yeah. back. But it was, um, it, it was terrifying for a middle for I want to say two weeks, and then it kind of came back, and then it was so fun for the rest. Of you. Then it, I had maybe like four weeks left, and um, and it was wonderful. Yeah. But I, I do. I miss it. I And I try to, you know, the, th- the theater community is not as uh, big out here, but I would love to, to get back on stage. But I can't. The thing about me being in New York City and desperately wanting to do a play is because I knew I was only going to be there for three years. And I can't like pick up my family and move to New York to do a play for six to eight months and then move back it's just uh, the way our life is now our kids are too old in school you know like they're in elementary school but also like yeah when they're have friendships and they have all of it yeah they're going through their own stuff you can't just pick them up and take them anywhere anymore you know yeah so so you guys are back in la i'm so happy california (laughs) that i could have done so many things that were actually like california that would have made sense but i just made my own i like that you made california and i heard in your rendition i heard two or three different songs okay there was like a beach boys in there then there was california (laughs) then there was a little even like a little ll cool j yeah there was a lot okay it was layered okay cool and had depth got it got it great I want to ask you like a couple more questions that I've been thinking about while you're talking and just also like just to say that I adore you oh, and so I just adore, I adore you, you as a person well, and thank you. you're always so welcoming and warm and I really appreciate that well, about thank you. you. Um, and also one time someone told us that we looked like sisters and I'm taking Ooh. that straight I'm taking that to the bank. I just deposited that in my (laughs) self-esteem. So thank you for that. (laughs) I feel like you look like, I'm looking at you right now, and you look like Linda Evangelista. Oh, people, especially with my short hair, a lot of people say that now. Yeah, Um, thank you. Who is also Canadian. Thank you. Oh, I didn't know that. So maybe you were in another life. Yes. A Canadian. Eh? Yeah. Yay. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you about being a woman in Hollywood. And in the arts, Mm -hmm. have you seen since you started doing this, you know, when you were a teenager, really, as a model, have you seen a change with all the things that are happening now? Obviously, the Me Too movement, the gender equality Mm -hmm. happening, um, the 50 Mm percent pledge. Mm -hmm. Um, Am I saying that right? 50 percent pledge? I think I am. Where they're trying to hire more female at least 50% of crew is female. Um, Are you seeing that change? Have you seen it change over time? Yeah. Uh, Huge. It's a, I would say uh, it's a, as you're talking, I'm thinking of it in two ways, which is, which is, which is personally. And then um, just surveying it as it's happening. I think it's personally, you know, we just said, I started this. I started how I met your mother when I was 22. Yeah. I have grown up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and have learned how to advocate for myself 
and knowing what I want and knowing what I'm good at and how to say that I'm good at these things and have confidence in that, which took me a long time and still, still working on, obviously. So I think in terms of the female movement, I have sort of grown with that (laughs) and am really benefiting from this current situation, which I do think that there has been a huge stride. Again, when I think from a personal level, just in conversations, being listened to more, being being taken more seriously, being led into rooms that I wasn't allowed to be in before. And again, I don't know if that's how it is now. People are trying to be more inclusive or if that is just, you know, because of my resume, I am entitled to walk through these doors now. I don't know what Probably that is. Probably both. Probably both. Guess, yeah. But I will say as growing up uh, from somebody who's grown up um watching TV, being on a major television show, um and looking at TV now where there is um a member of of each cast is different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that there is you get to see different faces on TV. Yeah. You get to um, uh, even this white, my, uh, my friend, uh, Gloria Caldron Kellett, she show runs one day at a time. Oh yeah. This is a show where, um, the teenage daughter has come out on television. We are talking, she, this, this season they had their first, her losing her virginity. Wow. This teenage daughter losing her virginity to another girl on awesome. and, and dealing with not only like, should we be doing this? Right. But they're girls yes. and they're dealing with the same stuff that a boy yes. and girl would be that would be on a sitcom, you know, uh. whatever, 10 years ago. But these are two girls and they're dealing with the same stuff and it's normalizing that. Yes. Yes. And I think that that is one of the greatest gifts of this industry is being able to reach the world and going, this is normal. If yes. these two people are talking about gay sex. Yes. That's normal. Yes. It's totally normal to talk about that. We yes. don't have to pretend that it's taboo. We don't have to hide. We don't have to, these these topics, we don't have to be embarrassed by them. Yes. We don't have to think that they're wrong. We don't, these are, I think that that is one of the greatest gifts that we can give back to the world as actors, as writers, as, as producers, as directors. I think that that is sort of what our meaning is. You know, it's always like, I just became an actor so I can make people laugh or I want to make people feel. It's like, no, it's, it, it is this weird thing where you are pop culture. Yeah. You are on things that are, that become pop culture. Yeah. So what is, what can you sprinkle in there? Yeah. When you can. Yeah. And now we're seeing that you're not even have to sprinkle it things anymore. Yeah. You're just going to talk about yeah. them. And you're just going to see couples that look different from couples that were on TV 10 years ago. Yeah. That is one of the greatest changes. And I, and I think that that's because there, there has been, I mean, thank God for Donald Trump. I, that, that's what I say. Yeah. You know, this is that, I think that is the greatest thing to come out of this it's presidency. True. He's spurned on a is, lot of is, this reaction. Is, is yeah. having us look at, and, and, and me looking at myself and us all looking at when there is so much negativity happening. And misogyny and yeah. You, you go you know, you look at all of these, these men who have gone down because like people, you can't do that shit anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that shit anymore because you're powerful. Yeah. And it's really, I'm really grateful to these women who have come forward and, and, and talked about it and, and, and women who continue to come forward to talk about it. 
because it's just, we just have to, I'm thinking right now, like, and again, I think it's because I'm like, you know, I'm 36, which, you know, isn't too old, but you're old enough where you're going, what's the point? What can I be doing? And especially now it's like, what good can I be putting out there? There's so much negativity. What can I do? What candle can I light (laughs) to shine a little bit of good? Yeah. Minimum being a good mom. Yeah. Okay. Putting good children, good human beings. You're going to be, we're going to have empathy. Yes. We're going to treat others with respect who are going to, you know, advocate for themselves. Yes. who are going to be strong women. Okay. And then it's community. And I'm working a lot with this great organization. I'm going to plug it right now called yeah, Save please. the Children, um, who work in, in America all, all across the world. And then it's like through work, it's like choosing projects that, I hope some impact. Obviously I don't have like full control over my next yeah. paycheck where that's going to come from. I, I like to be involved. I, I tend to get these, these, these roles and I don't know why, cause I don't really consider myself like a tough broad. <laughs> I'm constantly apologizing. I apologize too much. That's my Canadianness. But you know, I got to play like Maria Hill in all the Avengers movies, and I got to play you know the Susan Turner in that Tom Cruise yeah. movie. Movie, he's an ex-military, and I I like being portraying women as not only women who are tough, but also that they're doing the same jobs that men do. Yes, it's all about visuals, right? Yeah, it's a, it is a really a fascinating thing, and I don't watch a lot of TV now, unfortunately. But whenever I tune back in, like I like I saw my friend's show, yeah. Is this what's on TV right now? Are we just straight up talking about this yeah. now? That is so incredible. It's huge growth. No, it's, it's huge, huge growth. Yeah. I remember we were on uh, on on How I Met Your Mother on CBS. I mean, we we could I mean, we were talking about drugs. We couldn't we were doing we would do like all these sneaky tricks because it was an eight o'clock show. Right. You know, on a Monday night and kids were watching. So we would have to be sneaky and we couldn't do certain things and. And it was just so much more, I don't know, it was not not controlled isn't the right word, but it was just censored. A it was bit. seen from yeah. one perspective. Right, right, right. And now I think people are going, there's not just one perspective. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It is exciting. I'm, as you're talking, I'm flashing to driving my son to the bus stop the other day. Because you're, you're talking about what, like messaging, what, what's the messaging we're giving to our, to our young girls and boys. And, um, you know, we, we live in LA. We, I live in Hollywood, West Hollywood, and there's a lot of billboards. It's kind of like Vegas yeah, over right. there. Right. Yeah, totally. And this billboard for Wet Republic, which is a pool in Las Vegas at a hotel, right? Where they're bikinis. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shocking. And they always have these billboards that don't really make sense. And it's so interesting to hear what he thinks of them. And he says about this one, it's there's on one side of the billboard, there's girls in bikinis popping champagne bottles. And on the other side, they're behind an army tank that's <laughs> shooting out bottles. I think it's shooting out bottles of champagne. I'm not sure. And they're like, from Yay! the tank, the I tank think is so. shooting out bottles I of champagne. I think so. I might be making that part up, but they're in an army tank. And my son is obsessed. He's a history buff. He's obsessed with World War II. World mm. War I. He's like, he's really into learning and now reading about it. And, and he has all the army toys and all this. He's nine and a half. And he goes, why are they wearing bikinis in the tank? That's not smart. Like that doesn't make sense. I don't, what what is that? What is that? I'm like, well, it's an advertisement for a pool. And he goes, well, why would they have a tank at a pool? Like it, to him, it's just yeah, so he's yeah. like, he can't 
he understands that they're being sexualized because we talk about that. Right. But it's just like, well, that's stupid. Like <laughs> That makes zero sense. And I said, well, I think they're marketing to, you know, men 17 to 34 uh-huh. who want to see women in burki- in bu- burkinis. Burkinis. <laughs> burkinis probably would be a thing. Much more comfortable, I think. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I feel like they would be like animal hair. That's how that's in my mind. And they're wearing Birkenstocks. So it's actually a little or bit a burka. More, or burka. <laughs> much better. I take that over the bikini. So, I said they're probably marketing to men who want to see, I'm guessing, you know, women in bikinis and like men stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And he just, he could, he was like, that's stupid. That's stupid. You know, that's wonderful to hear, but that's the messaging that's, you know, I'm surprised that's still on a billboard. Actually. I'm surprised it's that that is still really sad and offensive. And I always think of those young girls that are the models. Yeah. You know, because I remember I was never up for that kind of job, but like, I just mm-hmm. remember being in New York and the same way you're talking about and that pressure of, you know, fit yourself into this box and, you know, be like this and, you know, don't eat that. And duh, and I just was suffocating mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't me. I mean, I didn't last in New York very long. I, I was there for, I think, three months. And then I was begging to go back to college because yeah. I just couldn't handle yeah, it. I was like, yeah, this is yeah. not me. Yeah. But so we, I think we've come to the time where I'm going to ask you my three questions. Lightning round. Lightning, yes. Lightning round, lightning round. Okay. So, so three questions and then we'll go into the silly, fun questions. Okay. What do you think about Kobe when you hear the word MILF? A mom, I'd like to fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that from an American Pie movie? Okay. This is, is that such a great origin? question. Yes and no, because I had to really kind of delve into this. That is the first time it was in pop culture that wasn't porn, but it is actually a porn genre. Oh, okay. That that's where it became like people it's are into name. that and you can just Google that. And yes. That's the thing. Wow. Yes. And it's very interesting because on my Instagram, my, my, the podcast Instagram, sometimes I'll get tagged on an Instagram photo. That's oh, like a, it's not quite porn because they're on Instagram. So they have to be, yeah, yeah, about yeah. It. but it's like, there's so much of it out there. And I still, and like, I get like some people like total strangers will DM me and you can see the requests and it'll just be some dude with like uh, no name on his thing. And a picture of his eye, and it says like DZ five seven eight nine ten or whatever, and then it's like send nudes. It says send nudes, send nudes, and I'm like, are you? Did you read? Are you getting? It's just, or it's just probably stabbing in the dark of like, you know, let me send this to like a hundred women and see if I can get something back. Well, that's certainly something. I mean, the graduate. It's it's been something that's been sexualized for a long yes. time. Yes, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not surprised that it's something that is in pornography, but I'm surprised that it's such a huge thing if it's yeah. its own thing. Yeah. I, I remember it. MILF to me is more like a cougar. Yeah. There was like a movement. I don't know when it's happened where yes. older women who had like teenage sons were like vying on their teenage son's friends. Yes. And that became a whole thing. Yes. But I'm sure it's something that's been in history. Oh, yeah. As well. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I love that you mentioned The Graduate. That's such a classic. It is such a classic. She's yeah. a class- classic MILF. She's a classic MILF. Yeah. But uh, that is that is sadly the first thing. I mean, sadly, because yeah. I like the way the way you're doing it. Yeah. Mom, I'd like to follow. It's I just want to reclaim it thing. and make yeah. it. Yeah. Because I do also think for me, part of my journey was I didn't feel 
like I could or even wanted to be sexy or sexual after I had my son because I struggled mm. with postpartum and I was mm. like in, alone with him. Like that thing that you felt after you finished the movie and you were on the crutches and you came home and you couldn't lift up your baby. Like that was for me, that describes my postpartum for two years after he was born. Like every day felt like that to me yeah. in a way. I wasn't on crutches, so I wasn't like handicapped in that way. But emotionally, mm-hmm. I just felt so trapped and so tortured. Um, so anyway, so once I started to reclaim my sexuality and be like, oh, wait, I, I'm not a throwaway because mm-hmm. I'm 40 mm-hmm. and sexual mm-hmm. and a woman. So let's let's talk about that. You know, can I I know we're in like lightning round no, no. section, but I want to speak to something that I've been thinking about a lot because yeah. I've been talking about a lot about ovarian cancer lately and like spreading awareness about it and making women uh, just advocate for themselves more in terms of to their doctors and stuff. But it, I've been thinking a lot about the trying to think of the way the right way to say it, but the way that we teach our girls about even about puberty yes about menstruation about i mean i remember it was like hide your tampons you know have a little secret pouch in your backpack yeah. and you put your tampons in there and no one's supposed to know hide your birth control pills. right like keep that like why are we fucking yeah. why are we hiding everything yes. the reason we're we're having periods is so the human race can fucking exactly make more babies yeah and it's the same thing with, with this speaking to this yes. about like why do you after having a baby or or why do you need to have a baby? Like some women go like, if I'm not a mother, then what kind of a woman am I? You right. know, like wh- why do we have to associate these things with with our worth? Yes. And obviously there's there's history like we use it. That used to be what we did. That's yeah. it. That was yeah. our function. Yeah. But now we're coming into a place where we're finally being we're allowed to do that because people are providing us support. If you can have maternity leave, if you can do this stuff. Yeah. But it's an interesting thing. There's like a stigma, right? And I don't know where that comes specifically to you in terms of, oh, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not sexual anymore. I've had my baby. I don't need to have sex anymore because I've already made a baby, (laughs) you know? I don't know where these stigmas come from, but they are stigmas. And I don't, I don't know if that's through in our society i don't know i think it's through, i think it's through a lot i think it's yeah through, you know like you're saying earlier about tv shows and pop culture and yeah and and stories and books and for me there used to be this you know sort of june cleaver idea of like oh well june cleaver's not having sex she's sleeping in her twin bed like once you become a mom totally. it's just totally. not proper for you to be sexual you know yes. you can't let your or you're a milf Right. It's the extremes, it's either right? or. There's no fucking You're middle You're a virgin ground. or a whore. You yes. can't have, you can't yes. be both. And the yes. fact is, we're all both. We're all, you know, the virgin, the whore, the Lilith, the 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 crone. Like, that's all mixed in. And that's just all part of the fluidity of being feminine. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that too. And I also, like, like you were saying about the menstrual, my son, since he understood anything like he he knows when i'm on my period mm-hmm. he knows what it is mm-hmm. he knows what a tampon is in fact mm-hmm. we have this joke like he'll be in my purse and he'll be like look a chocolate bar and he pulls out the tampon like he right. thinks that's hilarious yeah 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 so there's no like ew a tampon or it's like he know. and for me that's important too to teach our boys yeah there was an interesting thing that just happened at my kid's school, which was they were like, we're going to do the puberty tuck this year. And, you know, we don't really do. We might later in the year bring out tampons and we'll take a, you know, maybe we, we've split the groups up before into girls and boys. And all the parents were like, no, yeah, don't split them up. Yeah. 
Don't make it seem like it's a secret hidden thing. Yes. The girls are going to be embarrassed no matter what. Yes. They're going to be so, so humiliated as soon as the tampon comes up. Yeah. Like, don't worry about that. But to to have the boys also see it and go like, oh, this is just a thing that has to happen, guys. Yeah. This is just Absolutely. a thing that we're going to be doing every month and no big deal. Yeah. And I think it's starting there. Yes. And equalizing it in a way. And same with going back to ovarian cancer. I think a lot of women are like embarrassed to go, mm. you know, it hurts when I have sex. Mm. You know, it. I I feel bloated. And it's also so it's so tied in with menstrual symptoms in terms of bloating, cramping, you know, pressure, all that stuff sure. is like, well, it's just my period or whatever. Sure. Do you know that here's a really thing that like blew my mind is that only until recently were was ovarian cancer diagnosed as ovarian cancer and uterine cancer and cervical cancer. Like it was maybe, maybe something like 15 years ago. And before then it was just like stomach cancer. You're kidding. Like they wouldn't even attach it to like the female organ. They just said like, oh, it's stomach cancer. Because they didn't want to say uterus. Or I don't know if they didn't want to say, or I I don't quite know, but it's something that I, I sat with this group of women who either had gone through cancers or had someone very close to them who had um, been affected. Somebody's mom had stomach cancer, but it was actually ovarian cancer. Wow. So now we're getting to this place of like genetics, right? Where you can have these certain genes and be predisposed for breast, ovarian, whatever. Yeah. And and to uh, like there's a majority of women who weren't even given the correct diagnosis. And I don't know why. I mean, that's that's a while ago. Yeah. But it wasn't, yeah, I don't know exactly when they said, no, this isn't stomach. This is a very, maybe it was longer than 15 years ago. But but that was fascinating that just this last generation. Yes. That this last generation of moms were like, you had stomach cancer. So not to know that history right. is really detrimental yes, to this next absolutely. one. And it is informed, I think, by this stigma. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Next question. Sorry, that was very No, long. no. No, no apologies. No apologies. <laughs> what is something you've changed your mind about recently? I don't know if this is an answer, the correct, an answer to that question, but it's speaking to me about something else that I, uh, <laughs> it was just like, a, like something that I've been working on, but. Um, What's so interesting, Kobe, is that I, I ask all these questions of every guest who's ever been on the show and you and the last Three guests that I've interviewed in the last couple of weeks could not answer that question. Really? Just like, well, I'm I happy know. that I'm not alone, but I don't yeah. because I don't. It's interesting. There's nothing that I'm. I consider myself pretty open-minded, so right. there's nothing that I've like flipped on. Right. You know. Right. I've been thinking a lot about um, perception. Something like recently happened to me, and I was somebody confronted me with something. And it spun me out so much because they confronted me with something that I didn't think that was true about myself. And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. If they think that I'm this, am I that? Right. <laughs> because that's her, that's their perception right. of, of me. Right. And my actions. Right. Right. In reality, I think they were wrong. <laughs> but it really made me go, I have to be a little bit more. And it, it is also speaking to what's happening in the world. I have to know my facts more yes. and I have to watch myself a little bit 
more carefully, which I haven't done on this podcast. I don't know what I've been saying. I've been saying a lot of different things. That's not the point of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's you could yeah. just say whatever yeah. you want. Um, but it was sort of a rethink, a recalibrating of, oh, I think I need to because I think I'm going to kind of go off on a tangent again, which I keep doing with you because I like you so much. I like talking to you so much. So you can edit all this <laughs> shit out if you want. But but it I think it's speaking to how wrapped up you get in yourself even more now. Yeah. Even more with social media yes. and, and and Instagram and 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 um your, you know, I was listening to this amazing talk where it was, you know, back in the day it'd be and maybe still for some people it is, but it would be, you know, these are the the 10 commandments. Mm-hmm. This is what the king and the queen say you right. have to do. This is what the gov- this is what the government and the president says. So you should do yes. this, right? Yes. And that is kind of like in a gray area now. So what it's in its place is, well, I just felt that way. Right. Well, this is my feelings on that. So I'm entitled to act this way because I listen to my gut. Yes. And it's a really interesting time of, I totally believe in instincts and like, you know, you got to listen to your gut, but you also have to like take in the world around you in facts. Yes. And other because people. Because that's just a chemical reaction feelings. in your brain. Right. Exactly. Right? And that's what's telling you to do that. So it's this society of me and mm. and uh, what I think is right, and I'm just doing what I think is right, okay. So I went I went into this. I had spun out a little bit, and I said, "Am I not taking in what's going on around me? Am I not? Am I not who I think I am to some mm. people? Right? Because I think I know who I am, but am I not? You can only have so much time for everybody, and I'll be your best self with every with a certain amount of people. But am I not? I don't know. It made me spin out a little bit. Yeah. And, and who am I to to that person? Yeah. Um, it was really weird, and it kind of had to make me. Did you come back around to yourself? I came back around. That? I came back around, but it took me a while, and it took me like touching with other people that knew me really well to go. Am I? Do I do this to you? Yeah. Am I this way to you? Yeah. And they're like, "What are you fucking talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> but it was this weird moment because, you know, I think as moms, we we get in this bubble sometimes. Yes. And all of a sudden you're like, holy, I haven't looked in the mirror in about four days. Yes. Nor have I showered. Yes. Nor have I had a moment to myself. Yes. So your your perception of yourself is so at- or or your yourself is so attached to these other beings yes. and what they need and how you're helping them. Yeah. I remember when I was shooting this past season for Friends from College, I had to go to New York and I was traveling back and forth for three months. So I had a lot of time to myself. And it was this weird moment of, oh, my God. First of all, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I, by myself in New York, I get to see my friends. I get yeah. to go out, stay out late. I get to, like, yeah, live this life. But then it was like it was my identity. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. My identity is so attached to being a mother, which is also your day to day routine. So when it shifts, it's weird. It's weird. I don't. That was not an answer to your question at all. But I haven't really changed my mind about anything. But, it, but hopefully that was interesting to somebody. <laughs> it's <was> fabulous. <laughs> How do you define success? I think to me, being successful is having balance. Yeah, because I think that the go-to answer is like success is always. I I feel 
to me defined by like career. So like, but that is what I have learned is whatever that success, whatever I have defined uh, success, I will never attain it because I will do a play on Broadway and be like, yeah, but I still haven't done this. Right. And I'm sure there are actors and uh, actresses and, and producers in my in my place who've like won an Oscar and they're like, but then what's next? Yeah, totally. You know, like Always. I don't know what the I don't know Always. what the penultimate yes. thing is yes. that's going to define success in that. So I think it's just being like happy and like finding that. Like I'll find days where I'm like everything is balanced right mm. now. I feel fulfilled in my career, in my relationship in my family mm -hmm. and I've got a little bit of that fourth friendship like I've got this package right now today yeah, yeah. I've got this today yeah and I am living the dream yes but but yeah I think it's about balance yeah. for me okay lightning round oh ocean or I'm, desert I'm telling you right now it's not gonna be <laughs> if it, if this lightning round is anything like the beginning of this podcast it's not gonna be very fast <laughs> well let me think um I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to answer a totally different question. <laughs> okay, you said ocean or desert? Ocean or ocean. desert. I can do that 100% ocean. Uh, favorite junk food? Uh, mac and cheese. From where? Um, as Anywhere. long as it's like covered it. in cheese. Or nachos. Oh, movies or Broadway show? Broadway show. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Ooh, daytime. Texting or talking? I mean, I'm going to say texting because but I wish I could say talking, but to be honest. Cat person or dog person? Oh, neither. I don't want to wipe any more shit. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. I'm so maxed out. I'm so maxed. Uh, totally. Have you ever worn a unitard? Yeah. Shower or bathtub? Shower. Ice cream or chocolate? Ice cream. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at ping pong? Ooh, 6.8. What's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, people being unkind. If you could push a button and it would make everyone in the world 7% happier, but it would also place a worldwide ban on all hairstyling products, would you push Fuck it? Fuck yeah. Super hairstyling products? I use zero. I have no issue with that. <laughs> Superpower choice. Invisibility, ability to fly, or super strength? Oh, God. Uh, invisibility. Mm. That could be such a long conversation, but I'm not going to get into yes, it. Yes, it yeah. really could, right? Would you rather have a penis where your tailbone is okay, or a third eye? Are you able to get yes. pleasure from that? Okay. Yes. Um, I don't want to sit on anything to get it, though. You know what I mean? Good squats, though. Um, <laughs> or a third eye? What's the function of the third eye? It's just a literal third eye in so your forehead. So it like improves your sight? It can if you want, or it could be a spiritual thing that like opens you up to. Well, that's why I'm, am I having some kind of awakening if I have the third eye? Let's say yes. Because you get orgasms from your butt if you're having, <laughs> I feel like there should be, I feel like there should be a balance there. I don't think I want to, I can't, you can't wear pants anymore if you have, what if you have a boner and you have it on your, and then you can't wear a skirt and then it's, that's just problematic. Mm. That's more problematic then then there are benefits. Yeah. So I'm going to say a third eye. I don't know if I even want the third eye, but if yeah. I had to choose, I would yeah. say third eye. Got it. Okay. What was the name of your first pet? Tiger. What was the name of the street you grew up on? Trimble. So your <laughs> Is this my poor name or something? Your poor name is Tiger Trimble. Tiger Trimble. I kind of like it. I like it. I like the alliteration of it. Yeah. 
it's kind of like trembles, like like mm. Tiger trembles, but she's trembling. Yeah. Tiger is... Trimble. I think she's an action hero too. She could be. Yeah. With her third eye power. <laughs> she could see through walls with that third eye. Tiger Trimble, third eye. Yeah, something. There's an alliteration that we could use. Tiger I can't trimbles. put my finger on it. Kobe, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're the best. You're the best. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kobe. Join me again next week when we have another new exciting guest on MILF Podcast. In the meantime, you can find show notes, links to anything we talked about, and resources on MILFpodcast.com along with some other goodies. So check it out. I can't wait to talk to you guys next week again. Thanks so much for listening.